Hello and welcome to the second edition of District Free Radio. I am your host, Trent Johnson, and I'm also the deputy editor of District Free Magazine, a great magazine. Maybe, you know, one of the better ones in the city, I would say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for the second week in I a agree. row, we made it. I'm joined by my co-host and the assistant editor of District Free Magazine. Did I tell you how great of a magazine that is? M.K. Kaziki, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Pretty great. I mean, I, I think we're a little bit biased, but we're doing some doing some cool stuff. Did some cool stuff last month, doing some even cooler stuff this month. So, yeah, moving full speed ahead. You may notice, uh, dear listener and uh, passionate reader, just hungry for all the information and content that District Frey gives you on a daily and weekly basis, that our audio sounds a lot better today. And I'm really proud to say that we sort of did the first one on a shoestring budget, if you will, kind of threw it together, flying by the seat of our pants. And this week, it's it's shaping up to sound a lot better. And, you know, small gains, right? Small victories. We're going to get there. But thank you for bearing with us on our debut episode. But we're back. And we're better than ever. Oh, yeah. Technology, baby. We're making it work for us. That's right. And speaking of technology and technology that could be perhaps is frankly out of this world mk talk about a your obsession with ufos in general and b the pentagon's big news this week oh yeah so highlight of my week was a break from our doom and gloom news cycle although a lot of people i know were thinking that this was really scary but to me it's just thrilling it's terrifying no, it's awesome. It's awesome. So the uh, Pentagon confirmed that some of these UFO videos that were floating around, I think the majority of the three that they confirmed were actually from Tom DeLong. The I think he's from Blink-182. I sound very uneducated right now about that's not that's not my genre. Big music person, not a not a 90s person. Uh, he has that UFO like research center and some of the videos were actually his. So it was really wild to see those videos circulating around in the Pentagon being like, yeah, these are legit. Uh, this is real. So I personally used to be terrified of aliens as a kid. And then something changed. I don't know if maybe I was abducted by aliens <laughs> and I don't remember it. They erased my memory. Um, I watched uh, Independence Day or that one with Nick Cage. Was it the one with Nick Cage where they find out they can kill them with the water? The signs. 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 Mel Gibson. Uh, Mel Gibson. Okay. You know, Nick Cage, Mel Gibson. M. Night Shyamalan. But like post- Potato, potato. Post unbreakable M. Night Shyamalan. Post- Yes. Uh, yeah. Kind of like, I'm hot, but I don't make good movies anymore. He kind of, he's since rebounded, I feel like. He does better stuff now. Yeah. But Signs was, I don't know. I guess that was popular, but I don't I don't remember it being It was well just received. so anticlimactic. Oh, like, right. Yeah. Oh my God. You can kill them with water? Like, come on, man. Anyway. Wasn't the remake of War of the Worlds similar? Like the aliens came down and the environment slowly decayed them or something? Like we It was something humans, like that. Humans did nothing to defeat the aliens in that film. I, I remember that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what it was about the Earth's environment. Maybe it was all the global warming and pollution. 
It, it just got yeah. to the aliens. Like, they just couldn't handle it. Like, we can. You know, we're, we're yeah. very adaptable creatures. <laughs> Are we? Uh, I want to live in a world that if aliens come here, you know, we, we partner up. We learn from each other. You know, we do cool stuff. Even though my favorite show is The X-Files, where uh, Fox Mulder is always at odds with the aliens. And he thinks that they ruined his life because they abducted his sister and did all this crazy stuff. You know, I, I like to think of a, a, a nice humanitarian and alienitarian i don't even know what that would be i'm trying to, i'm trying to think of 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 the alien equivalent of humanitarian intergalactic whatever intergalactic uh, you know alliance that yeah, almost makes alliance. me that almost makes you sound like you eat aliens like i'm an intergalactarian i only eat aliens you know what i mean <laughs> i don't i don't think i would want i don't want to eat them i would want to be their friend i would want to learn from them uh you know i i think that honestly i'm not like being like silly or making stuff up i think that there's definitely you know life outside of our planet and we're silly to not to not think that and so it was just cool to see these videos that i think a lot of people like myself who uh you know believe in other intelligent life forms uh, have it kind of confirmed by the government not that i trust the government or need them to confirm stuff for me it just you know i binge watch more of the x files last night <laughs> which is usually what i do every night but it was a little bit more exciting this time around so yeah, thrilling, thrilling stuff. So I want to know, do you, you're sure that this video is proof of aliens? That not only, not yeah. only aliens, I think it's one thing to be like, yeah, aliens exist somewhere in the universe because the universe is literally vast and there are dark parts that we can't see sure. at all with the technology that we have on hand. But it's another entirely to say, yes, there are aliens and they are smart enough to create some kind of mechanism to come to earth and then not to be really detected at all it's it's very strange actually i think i yeah so i sent you a medium article which i think is great mm -hmm. and uh we'll drop the link in the in yeah we'll drop the link below on the website but he describes them as being uh basically the equivalent of the thing on the video the tic tac sort of ship i guess what the pentagon was it the navy saw in 2004 i believe they he basically describes that as the equivalent of a person on a horse seeing a like giant fighter uh fighter jet for the first time and being like Holy oh yeah shit. it was like if uh if like a 17th century like you know right surf or peasant saw uh saw you know what we know to be like a blue angel jet or like you know something that you know is a little bit more technologically advanced than like your your commercial plane but still you know totally nothing that you would ever be used to seeing but uh yeah i i think it's legit i think it's been legit um i actually wrote a, a a really brief roundup for our website um about some other alien encounters that have been documented there was a spell in uh i believe it was 1952 of a ton of uh ufo sightings in the district in 2019 there were like 70 something odd sightings that were were noted by that were reported to project blue book which is a legitimate operation that the military has where people can report intergalactic or, or ufo sightings and there's also a really fun conspiracy that i didn't include because it wasn't as dc centric there's the the wright patterson air force base in ohio there's a lot of rumors that that is kind of like also an area 51 um with some spaceships and things of the like being hidden there so you know i think it was just kind of i don't want to say it it was a, a distraction from a lot of the other crazy stuff that's going on right now, but it was definitely cool to uh, to see all of that 
finally get confirmed, but we'll see. Maybe the aliens are pissed off that they know that we know. So could never see him again. Yeah, one of the most interesting things about this is the description of the ships being that they sort of just want to be left alone. That's mm-hmm. one of the most interesting things I read is like, yeah, they don't really want to be detected or interfered with at all. They just sort of flee any sort of detection that we try to put on them. And it makes me think, like you said, maybe they're pissed off now that we did sort of, A, get some kind of video capture, the infrared capture, and B, that the public now knows about it. But again, these are really old videos. Well, relatively old. I mean, from the early 2000s. Sure, yeah. I also think that there's a possibility that they are just smarter than us in the sense that they know that they can go explore things and places that aren't theirs and just look at them and be like, that's cool, and fly away. You know, I don't think they're necessarily going to be like Earth invaders like you see in the movies um, and even portrayed in shows like The X-Files where they're abducting people and conducting these heinous experiments on them. I think there's a chance that they're just genuinely curious like we are about them and i think a lot of people that that believe in in aliens and extraterrestrials excuse me um and ufos it's just exciting to to think that the world is bigger than than what we know and what we can see it's not like i don't know i feel like when i talk about this i sound like i'm totally you're out there insane and have these crazy thoughts but it's like it's really not that it's really not that strange to think so I, uh, I, it's just, I'm super excited, man. The truth is out there. Are you familiar with the South Park take on aliens? And oh, Earth no, what's in that? general. Well, what's this is that? one of the episodes. I'm sure there's many episodes that involve, there are many episodes that involve aliens, but one of the most famous ones is they posit that Earth is actually a reality TV show on like an intergalactic scale. And that's the reason there are so many different species on Earth and that actually in the universe, every planet with life on it has like one species and Earth is actually just like basically Big Brother with all these different wow. species in it. What's your thoughts with that? Maybe these people are just, uh, you know, big fans of the show. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is the equivalent of when I went to Los Angeles and I went to the, uh, I went to Pump, the restaurant from Vanderpump Rules, trying to see if I could see, you know, Jax and Stassi and all the people from that show. I'm sure, you know, that you're very familiar with no, that. No, I have no you idea what you're talking about. You watch that show all the time. <laughs> it's a spinoff of one of the Real Housewives. Uh, they own, rest- it's about um, one of the Real Housewives of uh, Beverly Hills runs a restaurant in Los Angeles and it's a huge tourist attraction and people just go to eat there hoping they can get a photo op with one of the very hot people that's on the show. Maybe maybe Earth is, you know, Earth is, is the South Park Universe's uh, Vanderpump Rules restaurant. Who knows? Could be. It's basically, like you said, it's exactly the same as you trying to get a sneak peek of someone you watch on television. But the only difference is that they have access to dimensions beyond the three-dimensional world view that we have. They have a fourth and fifth dimension. I guess people think time is the fourth dimension, but whatever, you know, you can't really travel back and forth in it yet. How do you know? Well, that's a good point. I don't know because I'm not an astrophysicist. Or a theoretical physicist. So I don't know, actually. There are theories that you can travel back in time, but the grandfather paradox kind of stands in the way of all of them, as a, as I know right now. Well, we're, I feel I like mean, we have gone so far on a tangent, but that's okay. I think that's fine. <laughs> you wrote about this on districtfray.com. Yeah, um, I did. So you mentioned the 50s streak, if you will, mm-hmm. of 
people sort of identifying UFOs in the area. What other things did you find while researching for this for this piece? Yeah, uh, like I said, there were some modern sightings, uh, a little over 70 uh, sightings in 2019 that were reported, which is cool. Of course, DC is no stranger to people thinking that they have seen aliens, which I think, you know, some of it I, I know has been military aircraft that's been confirmed by the government to not be UFOs and just be, you know, something else maybe a little bit interesting, still being tested out, which is, you know, interesting in of itself, but not as fun as aliens. And then also, of course, I would be remiss to not mention, as I have several times on this podcast, some of the awesome fictional representations of aliens and UFOs and and things like that. So X-Files is a favorite. Uh, My dog is named Scully. That's how you know how much I love that show. We also uh, came to mind E.T., of course, the entire Alien franchise. So if you're really jazzed up about this extraterrestrial nonsense going on you know plan a plan an alien themed uh, movie bench this weekend that's probably what i'm gonna do yeah i mean there are so many good ones i think yeah. you mentioned a few in the article in the article uh you mentioned et right mm-hmm. you mentioned Classic. Uh, what was it, some of the other ones you mentioned well i mean obviously the whole Alien franchise yeah. is, is, like yeah, I said, is, I is a classic. I mean, Alien 1 and 2 uh, are awesome, but then after that, you're sort of, you're like, okay, I kind of like this. This is an interesting genre take. Okay, Covenant was like sort of a return to Alien, but also had a bunch of dumb stuff in it that I didn't like. I hated. I I don't <laughs> mind the Prometheus, Alien Covenant, the, I guess the last two entries into the franchise. Mm-hmm. But man, the scientists in those movies are really stupid. They're very they make stupid. so is many it... mistakes. Like I'm gonna take my my helmet off on this planet that I just got to. Is like, aren't you yeah. a scientist? Oh, that was in, wasn't that in Prometheus? Yes. Like right when they get there, they're just like, let me well, just, they do it in both, let me I just think. take this I, off. I'm pretty sure they yeah. do it in both. And I'm like, you guys are supposed to be scientists on a new planet, and even if the environment is technically breathable, you have no idea what kind of contagions are on this planet. You don't know what kind of diseases are on this planet. It is mind-boggling that scientists in the future that that have the capability to travel on an interstellar scale would make the mistake to be like i'm safe here i'm gonna take my helmet off (laughs) no you have no idea you have no studies you've done nothing well obviously uh there requires a suspension of disbelief with a lot of these (laughs) i love prometheus i actually think it's great i I think that the take I, i feel like the uh the the Christian overtones are a little heavy-handed. If you really dig into yeah. it, they're pretty. They're pretty overt. Oh yeah, and actually, Absolutely. apparently, they were even more overt, uh, just based on some IMDb fun fact trivia stuff that I found in the past during. Uh, really, uh, yeah. the the script originally had some pretty obvious, uh, even more so, like references, and they took them out because huh. it was like a little too much. It was like, all right, really, you're really holding the audience's hand here. Like maybe let it go a little yeah. bit, but. I do actually think that movie is interesting. I mean, I think it's like very visually appealing. It was, you know, it's entertaining. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, plot holes science-wise. Well, but I it's mean, a horror still, movie, kind of. Well, Prometheus still a good is watch. not really a horror movie. It's less so than, what was the, mo- what was the most recent one that came out? That was a return to like, hey, these guys are, these creatures are scary and they're big and they have weird yeah. cone-shaped heads and they want to eat, eat Hugh. That one was gory, and there was a good amount of body horror in yeah. that one, too, which, whew, yikes. And I noted, uh, I know you edited this story. You added a few uh, editor's notes movies. So what are what are your uh, your alien movie picks that you're, you know, going to watch this weekend? Oh, am I going to watch them this the weekend? I don't know if I'm going to watch them this weekend. Oh, I weekend. don't know. I'm, 
I'm just saying, if if one were to, you know, have an alien an alien movie marathon, what would you recommend? What would you watch? Um, I know I put Independence Day on there, which mm-hmm. is a just a just a great action movie. It's from the heyday of action movies, or like the the very <laughs> the very end of the heyday. You had Will Smith and basically his movie star prime. And then Jeff Go- young Jeff Goldblum, I think fresh off mm. of Jurassic Park. So he's not like famous nice. yet, but he's starting to sort of do the quirky stuff that he's now like super heavily famous for. Um, and I think that's a good one. You also, uh, Star Wars, obviously. Yeah. You also have Paul. Oh, Paul. Have you seen that? I haven't. Is that an animated? That's animated, No, it's not animated. Right? Paul is a live action movie. Why do I think it was animated? What am I thinking uh, of? With Simon Pegg and the other British guy that's in all the Simon Pegg movies. And it features hmm. a little alien named Paul, who basically looks like a gray, which is like the standard yeah, whatever aliens look like. And he's voiced by Seth Rogen, which I find hilarious on several levels. And it also has Jason Bateman in it as like an FBI agent. It's just a really kind of a fun movie. It's a buddy comedy. Huh. I think Kristen uh, Wiig in with it aliens. too. There's a lot of funny people in that movie. All right. If you want to watch something with aliens in it, but you don't want to watch science fiction necessarily... Then this mm-hmm. is like an alternative from the perspective of a comedy, like buddy road trip kind of story. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm gonna add it to the Two list. Two nerds find an alien, uh, basically, is, <laughs> is, is is what happens. Sounds pretty awesome. Also, sounds like probably their best case life scenario. Two nerds finding an alien. I mean, voiced by that's Seth also Rogen, much- an alien who sounds like Seth Rogen. And who makes jokes wow. like has the same mannerisms as Seth Rogen. I'm just imagining there are greys in the X-Files. So I'm just imagining one of them, one of those aliens being voiced by Seth Rogen in the few times that they do make an appearance. It would definitely, uh, definitely offset the more serious tone of that show. But, you know, maybe, maybe one day we'll see it. We'll see a third X-Files movie. So I'm going to ask the... you an unplanned question. Okay. Who's the most famous alien in pop culture? This is a very easy answer. It's an obvious answer. It's obviously subjective. But I feel like this is pretty clear. Who's the most famous alien in pop culture? Yeah. This is easy. I feel like this is a trick question. It's not question. a trick question. You're going to say E.T., but that's wrong. I was going to yeah, say that's E.T. Wrong. Why is E.T. wrong? It's, it's, when I say the name of the most famous alien in pop culture history, you'll say, oh, that, that's not fair. Is it? It's not something from Star Wars. No, is it? I don't. Well, maybe, but I don't think so. I, I don't even not, think. I don't a, even think they're that famous. Like I really don't. I'm not a Star Wars gal. I I don't know. I really I really was gonna say E. T. I that seemed like a given. Uh, Superman. Oh my from god! Krypton. He's clearly the most famous alien, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, we're talking about eighty years of pop culture, almost ninety years. Right, he was yeah. written in the '30s, so I think that but that's got to be the answer. Fairness, when you when people think of Superman, they you know I think would put him in a box of superhero movies, not in the box of like E.T. Independence Day. Right, but that uh, was I didn't say alien. the most famous science fiction character. I said the most famous I, alien in pop culture. I know, but that's a, still a trick nah, question. That's not a trick. Superman's like, yes, alien. He's from Krypton. Oh my goodness! Half of the all of those planets and all of the comic book things are made up so they're all aliens wouldn't by that logic wouldn't thanos be an alien yeah but all i those wouldn't people see, are aliens yeah thanos is an alien sure but is he more famous than et i would say no 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 i'm just saying following your logic yeah no i think all that any marvel movies are alien movies sure, anything from anything not from space or anything from space excuse me and not from earth would be considered alien to 
humans, which we are. So in that sense, yes, they are all aliens. But Superman, I feel like, is probably more famous than most comic book characters anyway, and just most characters in general. All right. So Hot I don't take. like Superman. Superman, Superman is an alien Superman's movie. whack. No, it's not an alien heard movie. heard it here first. He's an alien. Okay. He is an alien you character. Get- but it's a movie about him, so by that logic, wouldn't it be an alien movie? I mean, if you're really getting granular, yeah, sure. It's a movie about <laughs> you, an alien, therefore it's an alien you movie. You started with the granular alien question. No, I just, I just asked a very simple question. Who's the most famous alien in pop culture history? And it to me, it seems pretty fairly obvious that it's, it's him. All right. Well, totally did not get that one. I still think it should be E.T. because he popularized Reese's Pieces, which are the best. So what else we got? What else we got? Let's see. Well, it seems like you're not going to be having a, uh, almost just said superhero, uh, an alien movie marathon this weekend. But what are you watching this weekend? And there is something that you're very much looking forward to on Sunday that you've been watching now oh, for a few yeah, weeks. Yeah. So the, la- the last dance documentary is one of the most fascinating character studies of arguably the most famous athlete ever in, in Michael Jordan. And because... Michael Jordan has not really been the kind of person to do a ton of interviews in a candid manner. Um, Usually you catch glimpses of his personality from these sort of, you know, passerby interviews that are promotional in in nature. This is the first time that he's really sitting down and really full on being Michael Jordan. And I'm talking like dropping F-bombs, telling players they're soft, and the, the video... So for those that don't know, the documentary covers the 97-98 Bulls, uh, which is the last time Jordan won an NBA championship. And actually, I wrote an article about the 97-98 Wizards for districtfray.com, uh, which is basically a look at a really mediocre basketball team that is lost to history. And for good reason. I mean, they weren't good. They didn't make the playoffs. But they there were some interesting things about them. And if you want to read about where the Wizards stood – during that time, you can you can check out that article. But the the Bulls documentary is really the first chance that fans are getting to see uh, Michael Jordan full full power, if you will. You know, full fully fledged, unleashed, and uh, it's just an interesting interesting documentary so far. And uh, it's extremely just watchable in a time with no sports. Do you think for I know obviously Michael Jordan is a very uh, beloved. Sports character. I don't know a lot about basketball, so excuse my <laughs> sounding completely uneducated on this. I mean, I, is that's it is true. it the kind of thing that's going to uh, change people's opinions on him on his character? He thinks or so. Or is it just he thinks? He said so? so. He said he said in an article. I can't remember who wrote the article or what publication it was, but he said that after people see this documentary, they're not going to like me. Hmm. And, you know, what's not to like about a compulsive competitor who has a gambling addiction and is just a complete asshole to his teammates? I mean, what is there not to like, honestly? I mean, it sounds pretty par for the course of a lot of uh, a lot of famous athletes. But uh, I mean, what's the what's the kind of like I saw I've seen a lot of people tweeting about it. I haven't really been engaging with it, obviously. What's been the you know, the reaction to kind of seeing this this other side of him? from people online, from you, from your friends? Like, are you surprised at some of the things that you're seeing and hearing? Or are you like, yeah, whatever, I knew So this. the documentary is 10 episodes, and we're only four in. So I think okay. they're still holding back the apex asshole Jordan stuff. Um, I don't think we've hmm. seen it yet. We just haven't. We've seen a couple episodes, which is basically the setup. The first two episodes were the setup. And then episode three was really the Dennis Rodman episode. And that story has been told, so it wasn't as interesting. I 
wondered why you went viral all of a sudden. I was like, why is this man on my timeline? Yeah. Not as interesting because he has his own documentary already. And it's just sure. It's just something that the story, I mean, he was interesting at the time. He would be a lot less interesting now. I guess he's sort of considered a maverick because he colored his hair and had a bunch of piercings and dated Madonna. I mean, I guess so. He was a great basketball player, and he was an interesting person, especially in a time where personalities were sort of pretty... There wasn't, like, social media. There wasn't uh, this firestorm and, and media storm around people like him. So I guess because he stuck out so much, especially as a professional athlete, he was interesting just because he was so different. But I don't know sure. how different he would be now. I mean, but, you know, whatever. The It's interesting. The best part about that episode was that he basically, in the middle of an NBA season, said, I need a vacation. And and the coach was cool with it, but they had to ask Michael Jordan if it was all right. And, and Michael Jordan was like, if we let him leave for 48 hours, he's not coming back in 48 hours. And Michael Jordan was right. I think they had to go get him out of Vegas. Wow. Which is a great story and also a little disappointing because we're led to believe this documentarian team or documentary team followed these guys around for a whole season. And there's not a lot of footage of Vegas Dennis Rodman. And that's the stuff hmm. that you got to release. I mean, you got to have some Dennis Rodman, Carmen Electra out in Vegas just like wildly partying. That's the footage we all want. And we didn't yeah. get any. And that's just disappointing. That is disappointing. Sounds like great TV. I've I've never been to Vegas, but I've seen the Hangover, all of the Hangover movies many times, more times than I probably should have. So I'm just imagining the Hangover, but with with Dennis in Rodman the 90s somewhere in the mix too. right now. In the nineties, so like you couldn't do that now. Like there's no way a player no. would be able to no. just escape to Vegas for four days in the middle of a season. No, there would be everybody's on right. getting on Instagram live, being like, "Look, it who would I be found. a huge story and a scandal." But, yeah. but in the 90s, you could do that. There was no one following him around. I mean, like, maybe people took pictures and stuff, but sure. like maybe paparazzi. I don't Old even know what pap paparazzi. Yeah, what was paparazzi like in the mid-90s? Probably, it obviously wasn't as hardcore. Yeah, I think they made most of their money from, you know, going around with nice actual cameras and taking photos and then trying to hawk them to whatever, you know, uh, crappy magazine would take it. So even that has only a shelf life of a couple weeks and it would take a few days to like get that to someone. So yeah, it doesn't have the same, the same effect as like, you know, something like that happening today to your point. So, but so that, that episode was interesting. So I guess to answer your original question, I don't think it's changed the perception of Michael Jordan yet. I, I think people still think he, if anything, it's only emboldened how great of a basketball player he was and how unique of an athlete he was in the way that he would literally do whatever it took to win at any cost, whether that meant throwing his teammates under the bus in an attempt to motivate them, or whether it meant him risking his career on a against a ten percent chance that he could seriously break his foot and you know his career would be cut short, which actually happened, I guess, in the episode. And then one of the first two episodes, he the doctor said, "Yeah, there's like an eight percent chance that you could really like you know your career would be over." And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm just going to play wow. anyway. I, I want to play. So he just did it anyway. 
risky. Yeah, but well, in the mid '80s, breaking your foot was almost that was pretty severe. I, I, now it would be less so. Also, the you know just the medical science is a lot better. Right. Yeah. So for someone like me who is not into basketball, uh, but obviously knows who Michael Jordan is and what his cultural impact is, uh, would I would I enjoy this? Would I find this interesting, or is or is it not not yeah. something that you think that non sports fans would be into, or basketball more specifically? The, the thing about the '97 98 Bulls, it seems to be, is that they uh they were at the end of this great run and anytime you're in the same situation or a similar situation for a long period of time you know things are going to happen over the course of that relationship where you just kind of like you know you get tired everybody has like their own grievances with someone involved in the room because they've been together for so long you know jordan didn't want to play for a different coach and the gm didn't want phil jackson to coach anymore and basically came out publicly and said this is his last season so that kind of forced jordan to retire when he didn't really want to scotty pippen was one of the most underrated underpaid players in the league at the time so he was pissed off and he was calling the gm you know nasty names and on the team bus which was just creating drama you had dennis Rodman trying to take a vacation (laughs) i mean so it's almost less about basketball and more so about just the drama of a team that is on the last leg of its uh, of its greatness, right? It's like this is sort of their last stand, and we all know how it ends. Like they win the title. Like Jordan hits this incredible shot that everybody thought would be the last moment of his career. Joke's on them. He came back and played for the Washington Wizards, which was a whole other fun thing. But at the time, everybody thought that was just the end of his career. His The end of his career was going to be him hitting this game-winning shot and uh, walking off to the sunset like cowboys do in Western movies. Well, sounds entertaining. I'm sold. But I'm also curious in, you know, you're such a big sports fan and there's not, obviously, there's little to nothing going on outside of, it seems, this like this documentary and uh, the NFL draft. So what, like, how else are you filling the time that you normally filled with sports? Like what else are you watching, reading? Uh, I, I just, I'm a casual sports fan. So it's like kind of weird to, you know, know that baseball is not on right now and things like that. But I can't imagine having something that's so important to me and that I watch all the time being completely gone. So that's it. Not to be like a big, yeah, bummer, big bummer. Total big bummer. bummer. Turn in the punch bowl. Uh, I think. Wow, that's a weird expression. It's a pretty common expression. I've never heard that before. Uh, I mean, you could ask. Sounds ask like some, around. So, ask your friends. That sounds like some weird Texas no, nonsense. No, turning the punch bowl is not a Texas thing. Google it. I've never heard that. <laughs> People write in, comment on Twitter, Facebook, let her know that that's a thing. I'm not making that up. If I'm making that up, that's an incredible thing off the top of your head. You have to admit, but which is further proof that I did not do that. I'm not that clever. I think you made it no. up. Um, so what do I do without sports? That's a great question. I'm actually working on a story for the May issue that involves a few rewatchable games. I got one from the uh, women's USA uh, women's soccer USA run. Nice. I got one from the Mystics championship run. got one from the Capitals championship run from a few years ago. The electric Kansas City Chiefs uh, Los Angeles Rams game, I think from two years ago. Uh, the famous Monday night game, which was, I think, the first time both uh, two teams that scored in the in the 50s in an NFL game, which is very rare, even in today's league. And um, I also have, I think, a game from the NBA Finals, which featured LeBron and the Cavs versus the Warriors. So working on that right now, there's a lot of options for people that are looking for sports. You can go 
basically to any major league website, and they all have some kind of offering involving games from the past. So the NBA is doing uh, a We Watch Together uh, campaign on YouTube. You can watch historic games every night. Some of them have been sort of like, okay, I don't really know why they're showing this game, but I guess so. Uh, some have been excellent. I've watched a few on YouTube. It's kind of fun. And also th with that, you get to watch it with a group, with an audience. They're on these social platforms like YouTube and Twitter. So you can kind of sort of chime in with an audience. And it doesn't feel like you're watching it alone necessarily. They're also offering, the NBA is also offering a ton of classic finals games on their app. So you can access that pretty much anytime you want. Watch uh, finals games through the, I think, beginning with the 2000 season. So the last 20 years. So if you're looking for Jordan games, you're going to have to just find really grainy streams on YouTube, which is also available. You can just – honestly, if you want to watch old games, it's pretty easy to find them. You can kind of just look around. The, the quality is going to be bad because TV quality back then was just not good. I mean, really, up until 2006 or seven, it wasn't great. Like, even the NBA's streams from 2004 are like – 4-3 aspect ratio, not great. So the NFL is doing something similar, though. They're offering season games from, I think, uh, like the mid-2000s to last season. So you can watch games from any team. And so uh, there are sports options if you're really hungry to watch something. But for me personally, I haven't done that as often as you might think because... I mean, I lived through a lot of these games, so I don't really feel the need to rewatch them. And if I'm going to rewatch a sports game, it's it's I want it to be like a social thing with friends, right? So you like have to fire up a Zoom chat, you have to schedule it with a bunch of people and, and you make it an event. I don't think watching a game by yourself is necessarily that fun, especially if you know the result. Yeah, a lot of a lot of effort. Zoom Zoom calls and Zoom happy hours can get exhausting, but it sounds like there's uh, no shortage of sports content out there, so uh, that's that's cool uh, that you're writing about that. Should we should we talk about some other things we got we got coming up here since we're entering production week? Uh, well, before we do that, before we talk about this week's interviews, uh, you mentioned Zoom. You mm -hmm. had a very interesting Zoom call last night. Why don't you tell the people what got you so excited about a particular reunion? Oh yeah, so. Uh, Parks and Recreation did uh, a reunion episode via via Zoom. Obviously, the cast members could not all be together, but it was really cute. It was really funny. All of these uh, characters that we know and love, the the classics like, of course, Leslie Nope, Ben Wyatt, April Ludgate uh, were all together. But also it was really cool because they brought back some of the lesser known but cult classic characters like Jean Ralphio, uh, who it appeared took out a commercial on, uh, on their Zoom channel, uh, advertising for people to call him. Uh, because he was lonely and bored. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Jam, uh, Pawnee's most hated dentist, is now offering a do-it-yourself root canal kit, uh, which he made clearly, explicitly clear that uh, he is not legally liable for anything that goes wrong if you choose to give yourself a root canal. I wouldn't uh, do it. So basically... I would not do Sounds it like either. A bad idea. So all of our all of our beloved characters in Pawnee are uh, alive and well and social distancing. And it was just it was a really fun, uh, really nice distraction. Sadly, it was only 30 minutes long. 
But uh, my personal favorite character, April Ludgate, appeared on the screen. I wish it was more, but uh, her her closing uh, tagline was, wash your hands and bury all your jewelry in the backyard. Bye. So that's going to be my new <laughs> social distancing email signature. So yeah, and they, they encouraged, it was nice at the end, they encouraged you know, people to check up on, on their friends. Uh, people that were watching were struggling with mental illness. They you know gave out some resources and they encouraged people to donate. So all that is to say it was a cute, fun distraction, but I think at the heart of it, much like the show the idea was you know just looking out for one another even in this time that we can't be together so yeah it's just it was so fun such a great such a great show and such a cute concept so a nice nice 30 minute distraction for my my thursday night So was it a psa or was it a fundraiser or was it more like an episode via zoom like saturday night live has been doing? it was yeah, it was it was like Saturday Night Live, um, but they did pepper in a little bit of some PSA stuff at the end, which you know, at this time I don't think is always bad, because uh, it was a nice it was a nice reminder just to to you know not forget that we all have to look out for each other right now, which seems to be the the ethos behind Parks and Rec, even from the early seasons. Leslie Nope uh, just cares so much about her friends at her city and the people around her, and there's no shortage of that going on. As she was basically, it started as she had organized a Zoom photo tree so she was trying to get all of her co-workers to check up on each other but she didn't figure out till sort of the end that everybody could be on the screen together oh, no. uh, so also realistic because so many people are navigating how to use zoom right sure. now um so yeah it was a little bit of comedy a little bit of uh, a little bit of psa and just a really nice really nice reminder that you gotta look out for each other a la leslie no nope. so the year is 2020 but the mm-hmm. finale of that show, that was in the future, right? What what year did the finale take place? I think, you know what's funny is there was an episode I watched recently where she said that she was going to run for president in 2020. But in this, uh, in this Zoom episode, she was working at the Department of the Interior in D.C. And uh, Ben Wyatt was a congressman, as was kind of alluded to uh, during the last season. So it... it Obviously, this is supposed to take place in uh, in modern times, so there's a bit of a bit of an inconsistency yeah, I, there. They're but, messing up the timeline. But you know what? Honestly, I will take any extra Parks and Rec content. Um, that's like one of my favorite comfort shows to go back to. It's just so funny and and not stressful, and just a really nice thing to have on in the background during the day at home. So I'm glad to glad to have more. Always will take more Parks and Rec, especially more April Ludgate one liners. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what other Zoom calls did you sort of have this week? Uh, and I'm specifically referring to some interviews you may have done with people that could be, should be, will be featured in our May issue that's coming out next week. Yeah, um, ominous, could be, would be, should be. Who knows uh, if that'll make it? I might not even <laughs> put that in there. I might edit that out. Oh, well, I was going to make a joke about maybe the aliens will have abducted it's us possible. by then. but. Uh, yeah, so this week I uh, I spoke to Chef Eric Bruner Yang, who uh, has made not only local but national news for this awesome thing he's doing called the Power of Ten Initiative, which is this really smart model that he uh, and his team put together as a way to purchase meals not only for those working on the front line, working in hospitality, but that money is is allowing these restaurants to keep people employed. Uh, you know, kind of insert it uh, back into their the local economy. Um, they've helped, I believe he said at the time it was eight restaurants. Uh, they have a chapter in North Carolina that opened and he recently helped a chapter start in LA. So it's a really easy model for local hospitality uh, industries to replicate to not only 
keep their workers employed, feed people who need it and, and keep, you know, money coming in. He's also super busy. He's a father of three young kids. Two of his restaurants, Maketo and ABC Pony are still offering takeout. Um, so in the midst of all of that, he still found the time to, to really help not only the DC hospitality community, but have it spread even further. So Really great to talk to him. I appreciated him taking time of, out of his busy schedule to do that um, and excited to to have our readers get a glimpse into what his life looks like right now and how he's really mobilized a lot of people to make an impact. That's awesome. Yeah, I actually had Makedo for lunch today. Oh, really? Yeah, their lo mein is dynamite. Oh, I've only ever had coffee from there. This so. is the first time I've it's eaten a, there. It's good to know. I yeah, had lo mein yeah, and awesome. some, uh, some uh, of the pork buns. The bao. Oh, yum. Oh, yeah. I love a good bao bun. At uh, Ramen World, their uh, pasta was my favorite. It was some kind of like, it was almost like a vermicelli noodle and it had like Alfredo and pepper and lemon. And so it was like that kind of Asian Italian fusion that he's been doing at ABC Pony. And it was just, it was so delicious. So I'm not sure if that's something on the regular menu or the takeout menu, but uh, if I lived near Navy Yard, I would be, I would be getting takeout from there every night. So Every night. So. Every night till I got Unlimited sick of it. Funds. You know, putting she has all the money. She's just throwing the money around. <laughs> no. all, all the money goes to local businesses, though. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, I know you had some interesting uh, phone calls this week too. What what interviews did you have? I've spoken to it feels like a, a lot of people, but it's probably not that many if you actually put a number on it. I did talk to Adam Greenberg of Coconut Club today, and he was also part of the Power, or he did some stuff with the Power of 10 initiative. So yeah, that's awesome. That you mentioned that. Um, he's uh, doing a ton of good stuff in the Northeast area uh, near Brentwood and just the community market, which helps people sort of find things uh, like milk or bread or kits that, that sort of have, you know, a lot of people are making bread on social media. So if you like want a one-stop shop for kind of kit for that kind of thing he has that in a place where you don't have to stand in line at a uh, grocery store so that's helpful obviously they're doing basically take it home style meals where you sort of take it home and then reheat it you know kind of preparation preparation boxes for different kinds of themes basically and it's funny because you think coconut club you think tropical you think spam you think hawaii or or something like that, but he's actually been doing a lot of different kinds of meals, such as they said that he was talking about they done Parm Week, uh, or Chicken Parmesan. Yeah, and, I saw that on Instagram. It looked delicious. Yeah, eggplant Parmesan. They also did something for Passover a few weeks ago, and that was a big hit for them. So just another example of a local restaurant trying to connect with the community and sort of bridge the gap as we sort of wait uh, for you know it, it to be safe uh, for the city to reopen again. Yeah, that's amazing. I know they really mobilized very, very quickly when this whole thing started and have partnered with a lot of local. Uh, I know they were doing like you could buy plants there from Little Leaf Mm -hmm. Shop, whose owner, Amanda, was on our cover last month. Uh, I know that they were also uh, selling whist cookies, which those cookies are so good. Um, And it looked like from their Instagram this weekend, they're doing barbecue. I don't know uh, about this so, week. I know they're doing a Cinco de Mayo tacos next week. Oh, nice. Okay. Maybe that was just a sneak peek or they were they were having people vote. But yeah, that's I've eaten there a few times. The spam spam fried rice is incredible. Yeah. But that's uh I'm sure that any other uh, you know, kind of food they're doing is great as well. So yeah, that's so many local people have come together and just really like stayed in business and stayed working even harder than they were in the beginning, which was already clearly very hard because uh 
restaurants are a cutthroat industry. Uh, so it's been really, I think uh, we've both had the the opportunity to talk to a lot of people that are really just making awesome stuff happen. So excited for you guys to read about all of that. Would you say they're making fun possible? Yeah, of course they're making fun possible. Um, I also talked to uh, the musician O Slice, who is a rapper based out of Prince George County. And she is an incredible talent. She, I think I describe her as marrying the lyricism of Eminem and the energy of Busta Rhymes. And I'm really proud of that <laughs> that analogy because I feel like she does sort of have these uh, interesting attributes as a musician. But that being said, she is in the middle of a trajectory change sonically. She is uh, experimenting with different kinds of ways to write music right now. And that's a big thing that's happening for her. And it's actually started before the quarantine, and the quarantine's actually delayed some of her plans. But I feel like most artists are going through something like that. Yeah, it's been uh, really sad to me as a huge music fan to see how many artists, and I get it, why they've had to delay their albums and things like that. But I can't imagine uh, having to make that choice to do that right now. So... Uh, but that's that's exciting. That sounds like a really cool story. I'm always so interested in uh, artist creative processes behind the scenes and how they come up with what they do and how they actually sit down and get themselves to, to you know, come up with such amazing material. So I'm excited to read about her her process. Also, O Slice is looking for people to play in Madden. So if you're interested, hit her up on Twitter at O underscore Slice. She wants to play you. She plays with the Chiefs, though, so beware because... That team is extremely OP on that game. Wow, have you? I know you play Madden a lot. Have you played her? I, no, I've I talked to her once. For you should. That's I don't have. I don't think I have make, the same copy of Madden as her. Why not make new friends in the core? What else is there to do? I think I, I. I'm a sore loser. I think I. I would just not want to play for fear of losing. I'm the opposite <laughs> of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wanted to win at all costs, and I'm like, I don't want to lose at all costs. You know. I'm not hmm. willing to risk it for the biscuit. I mean, it is just a video game. No, it's not. It's life or death. Wow. I'm kidding. Of course it's that not. That is dramatic. Yeah, that's, a, that's dramatic for sure. That's for sure dramatic. I'll <laughs> give you that. Speaking of drama, there's a lot of really awesome things happening this week. One being Film Fest is rolling out their second film. Uh, Film Fest DC is the offspring, or I guess the parent. I don't know which is which, actually. I should know this. Uh, the International Film Festival is something that they produce on a yearly basis. Usually, it would start around this time. But instead of that, obviously, they can't have a giant full-scale film fest. They are transitioning to a online platform where they are streaming some of the festival favorites from previous years on their website for free. Last week, they started off with DC Noir. Unfortunately, that stream ended yesterday. But don't worry, there are several more coming. Yeah, so I was really intrigued by one of the Film Fest uh, movies that was released today. It looks like an Argentinian rom-com, and I absolutely love rom-coms from any, any country on Earth. I'll watch it. I love it. This one looks like very funny about uh, somebody that loses their phone and goes on a quest to find it at a wedding. Sounds like a lot of opportunities for for a meet cute, which, of course, is a, a foundation of a quality rom-com. So uh, that definitely piqued my interest. And that one starts uh, starts Friday today. Today's Friday. Wow. Had to remind myself what day of the week. Yeah, it was, I don't even but... know how important it is to sort of designate the days of the week anymore. They're just all Monday. Um, yeah. Every day is Monday. Kind of. 
it does. Or Wednesday. It does feel I guess like you a, have to pick like an innocuous day. Every day is Wednesday. Yeah, every day does Wednesday. Monday has that the, feel like you're like ah, oh, it's Monday. Everything starts on Monday. Not a Seinfeld joke. No, well, there's a there's a joke about how Monday has a feel. Uh, Friday has a feel. And then I think the the Newman character is like Tuesday has a feel, and he's like Tuesday doesn't have a feel, and then they they, they debate about it. Wow. So then would it be Tuesday? That's what I think. I think it would have to would, be like one of the days that doesn't really have that sort of anticipation behind it. So we're in Perpetual Tuesday. However, you can watch this lovely movie called Lion's Heart through DC Film Fest or Film Fest DC, excuse me, uh, starting on May 1st. Just remember remember the days. We can, we can do numbers right now, right? Maybe not days of the week, just numbers. Uh, and there's also a really interesting uh, short film, animated short film called Once Upon a Line. Uh, only seven minutes long. If you've got a short attention span, that's probably the one for you to watch this week. So lots of, lots of things for you to watch this weekend no shortage of entertainment so when i talked to the director of film fest dc tony gittins he did recommend that people not watch these films on their phones fight that urge fight that urge put the ipad down try to connect your computer to a nice tv you know tvs aren't that expensive i feel like most people have decent sized tvs and i'm not talking about like 55 inch screens i'm talking about like a 30 inch screen just something something bigger than a computer something bigger than 16 inches try to relax it's hard. It, right now, there's a lot of stuff going on. Every day feels like there's so much information. We're all inundated with all these changes. But he suggests try to relax into the film. Try to sort of ease the shoulders back. You know, rest into that couch, if you will. And really take a step back while you're watching these movies. And lastly, open yourself to the story. Yes, these are international films. Yes, you might have to read a copious amount of subtitles. But... The journey is worth it. These films did extremely well at previous international film festivals here in D.C. And, uh, you know, Tony's been around the game for, you know, years and years and years. He knows what he's talking about. They know what they're doing over there. They curated an incredible list. And it's definitely worth your attention, especially if you are an ardent moviegoer like myself. Awesome. So uh, I think we got some other stuff to do here this weekend, right? Our, uh, our our dear friends at DC Frey have some virtual events you can partake in. And if watching international films or movies about aliens aren't quite your speed. Always, always. DCFrey.com. You can find just several versions of trivia. We got bingo. We got virtual yoga. This week they did Game of Thrones themed trivia on, I think, a couple nights. So if you're into themed you know, additions. There's a ton of options over there. DCFray.com. Head over to the events calendar and you'll find something to do with your friends. I think they also have the book club coming up soon. Yeah. So there's a lot of awesome opportunity to get involved with the community. And I'm not talking about the DC community, uh, but the community at large. Sounds like fun. Yeah. No reason to be bored. NMK, where can people find you and your work? Um, so my writing obviously can be found at districtfray.com. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, I'm at M-K-K-O-S-Z-Y-C-K-I. And at Twitter, I'm at ShutUpMK. How about you? Where do you live on the internet? Uh, people can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Trent S. Johnson, T-R-E-N-T-S-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. One of the most boring names you'll hear on a podcast this week. And as a you, you can find my writing at districtfray.com. That's D-I-S-T-R-I-C-T-F-R-A-Y dot com. Please let us know how we're doing, whether it be with writing, whether it be with the podcast, whether it be with our virtual offerings. We are always excited to interact with our readers and our audience. So feel free to leave us a note. 
But with that, MK, I think uh, I think this closes out week two. Yeah, we'll see you next week, week three. We'll be back in better than ever. Better than ever. Everyone have a great weekend.